ready for opening around the 10th of June last year and it's gone really, really well. And I ended up with a really good occupancy for the five months that I was open of 95%. And I could never have dreamed of and return of that much in such a short time. I joined several uh, Facebook groups and I advertise it on there, but mainly it's on Farmstay UK, which is a, a members cooperative. And uh, the other one was Quirky Accommodation. I popped it on there and I got quite a few bookings from that. But when, when we had the sheep, if there was any lambs that were pet lambs that were being fed, I would always encourage if we've got any children staying or anybody that wanted to see a lamb being fed, they knew what time I went out to feed lambs and they could quite happily come along and have a look what was happening. Hello and welcome to the Glampy Tech Podcast. Today I'm joined by Carol Alton, owner of Weird Air Retreat in the Durham Dales. I wanted to bring Carol onto the podcast because she also happens to be the owner of a working farm and I was keen to get the perspective of someone who's made the decision to diversify into glamping and dig into how it went for them so we can provide value to those who are looking at going down a similar route. Glamping represents a great diversification opportunity for farm owners. So if you're the owner of a farm and you're looking to add an additional income stream, then this episode is for you. Before we begin, I'm just letting you know that we're probably looking at a fortnightly release for the podcast moving forwards. I hope that's okay with you regular listeners. Now, on to Carol. As ever, I hope you enjoy and find value in today's episode. Hi, Carol. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, so you're the owner of primarily a working farm, but you also recently um, diversified into glamping. You've got a, a retreat called Weirdale Retreat, which is a, a shepherd hut with a with a hot tub in uh, County Durham. Um and today we really want to dig into uh, the decision you made to diversify into glamping um, and how that went and the things you learned and all that sort of thing. But before we start that, uh, obviously in England, uh, we reopened this month. Um, so how, how has reopening gone for you? It's gone very well. Not as many bookings as I would have liked uh, up front, but no, they're coming in. And that's really all that matters. And everybody's enjoying their, their mini breaks and the relaxing stays that they can have here. Yeah, I imagine because uh, yours is a very, very like uh, isolated, I suppose. Uh, is it mostly couples that you get who have to sort of to get away from everything? Yes, it's aimed at couples because it only has a double bed. So it is really is for couples. And with the hot tub, people arrive and nine out of 10 of them don't do anything else. They stay on site, enjoy the hot tub, enjoy the views and enjoy the peace and quiet of a rural retreat. Sounds perfect. So uh, let's just dig into your backstory a little bit. So could you just introduce yourself a little bit and um, how you came to own the working farm and then potentially how you came to the decision to diversify into glamping? It's a long story really how we came to be here, but we bought the farm I'm married to a farmer who's a farmer's son and we were working on and working on the family farm down in Derbyshire. Back in 2001 we sold everything up in Derbyshire and bought a bigger farm in County Durham and that's what we've been farming for the last year for the last 20 years. Not only have we got the 380 acres of farmland but we also let two rooms for bed and breakfast. And then about five years ago, we looked at the possibility of 
diversifying into glamping. There was grants available, but most were wanting you to put up big-ish sites, sort of minimum of five pods. And I didn't want that much work and start involving employing lots of people to help with changeovers, etc. So it was sort of put on the back burner until it could be 18 months now, two years ago, I started thinking about just doing one. I'd got some uh, savings that were coming up to maturing. Interest rates weren't very good and return on shepherd's huts or glamping pods looked quite good. So I investigated further, did pre-planning, talked to the local AOMB, what they were looking for in glamping sites and shepherd's huts and put planning in. Um, and then I did a silly thing. I put the planning in and then ordered a shepherd's hut the next day. Um, then the, the COVID-19 all broke out in the March. So I did put all that in in the January and COVID broke out in the March. And did I know what was ahead of me? I didn't know whether I'd been foolish or very brave. Turns out I've been very brave and we took delivery of the hut in, in May last year. And we were ready for opening around the 10th of June last year. And it's gone really, really well, apart from the odd, odd nights. And I ended up with a really good occupancy for the five months that I was open of 95%. And I could never have dreamed of a turnover of that and return of that much in such a short time. So that's just hoping that uh, 2021 is just as good with the year of the staycation. Yeah, and um, you mentioned there you did pre-planning. I know not everyone goes through pre-planning, but it's something that we quite often recommend to our clients because, um, you know, sometimes it can save them a lot of financial and emotional heartache if the council just don't want, this, don't want the site to be built at all. And um you know, it's expensive to get a, a full planning application rejected. How did you find the pre-planning process? The pre-planning process was simple. They just rubber stamped it. Okay. Uh, but, but in the meantime, we decided to change sites um, that I was looking at. And we'd gone from looking at a pod to a shepherd's hut uh, in between the plea planning going in and the full planning application going in and the only downside was the access because it's a single track from the main road to the farm uh, with very few passing places and there was one stretch which they insisted needed more passing places but we managed to prove that there is passing places and that two, two vehicles can pass on the lower part of our drive. Yeah, I imagine uh, it was fairly straightforward considering it, it is a very small development, isn't it? It's not like you've, you're installing 20 pods and, and creating a whole new development. Is, is it quite integrated onto your farm? It's one, one pod in the corner of one field next to the farmyard or near the farmyard. I don't want it to sound as though it's a smelly, smelly place because it, it isn't. <laughs> but it's next to the farmyard, just down from the farmhouse. And although when you're there, you feel that everybody can see you from the farmyard, in reality, you can't be seen. Mm. And people realise that it is 
it, it, they are they are hidden uh, away. It is in the corner with high walls around them, and they can just look across at the at the views across the other side of the valley. And what made you opt for a, a shepherd hut over a, a glamping pod or say a, a tent structure? I'd n never even looked at a tent structure. That never never even came into the equation. I'd looked at pods and what I wanted out of a pod and layout, I wasn't finding what I wanted. And what were, were way down country. And I just happened to stumble on eBay on a local person that was building Shepherd's Hut. So we went and had a look, liked what we saw, and he was willing to do something bespoke um, for me so that I'd got what I actually wanted inside the hut. So that was the reason that I chose um, Black Dean Shepherd's Hut, which built in Durham. Nice. And then um, you've obviously gone for a, for a hot tub as well. Um, how have you found that in terms of uh, the maintenance of it, but also how, how it's affected demand for, for your site? The demand for the site is, is the hot tub is the main draw. Yes, there is some maintenance, but we've gone for a wood fired one. So that ideally needs emptying daily and refilling. Uh, we clean it and sterilize it every changeover and it is then left to each guest to to refill as needed for the amount of times they use it during the stay i suppose because uh, sometimes people can be put off by the maintenance but i suppose if you if you run a working farm you're going to be getting your hands dirty and stuff and doing um, all sorts of, of of odd jobs like that as well aren't you so i imagine it just fits quite easily into your, into your schedule does it yeah, and the pot, you drain the water out and there is, yes, there's a bit of a certain amount of cleaning to do, but, but with it being a wood-fired one, there's no filters or anything to maintain. You haven't got to keep, keep checking all the pH levels and everything. It's yeah. You fill it, it's, heat the water up with a, a wood fire, and then uh, once it's up to temperature, you just need to keep the odd log going on to keep it where you want it, and then empty it each day or... Or some don't empty, others do. It's it's, but they, it, ideally it should be emptied every day. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so obviously the the glamping journey, I'll say, you know, the, the the process of going from the idea of having a glamping site to getting it up and running and open and welcoming guests is uh, it varies in length and in difficulty depending on the site and the council that you're dealing with. How did you find the whole process from from idea to completion? From idea, idea to completion, it seemed a long time, but it was probably 18 months from putting that pre-plan in, thinking about it and then putting the pre-planning in to get, actually getting it up, up and running because I spent a lot of time doing market research, looking on the internet who'd got them, what occupancy they were getting before I even put my pre-planning in. And then I was looking at the, at the shows over the summer at what huts and pods were available and where people were and going to places like the glamping show so that I could see what was on offer. I did the glamping show and the farm innovation show at the NEC to have a look what was available uh, regards in the huts, hot tubs, barbecues, fire pits, all the little extras that you put on, uh, you know, an outdoor seating 
whether I've taken them all into account is, is it is different, but it's looking what's available and what people might like to have. Yeah, and you mentioned market research. Uh, we, we we see it as an important part of the process as well. We offer it in our feasibility studies. Uh, how did you find that doing your own market research helped you in the process? I, th- I thoroughly enjoyed doing it. Um, and with being a member of Farmstay UK, I was also manning the stall there. So I was talking to different people that had um, units as well. So I was doing doing research without realizing I was doing research in some ways and just going out and talking to different people I thoroughly enjoyed doing that bit the hard work was actually sourcing things and getting things delivered on time when once you'd ordered them would you say the sourcing and delivering was that the the most challenging part of the process or was it something else the most challenging part was actually getting the hut onto the site that we'd chosen. Um, in hindsight, we should have taken a wall down and take, taken it in from the top rather than trying to get it up from the bottom because it was a, on a, it's on a bank and we'd built the bank up and the bank, we should have gone in from the top of the bank rather than trying to pull it in from the bottom. But that's another story really. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we, we see uh, at Glamtech, we see marketing as, a, as an important aspect of any glamping site. Um, so how, how do you promote your site? I know it's got uh, a couple of uh, online, you know, it's, it's, you've got your own website and it's on Facebook and things like that. So so how, how do you promote it online? It's on my, I've got a Facebook page for Newlands Hall Farm Holidays and we promote it on there alongside the bed and breakfast. It's got its own website. I've I joined several uh, Facebook groups and I advertise it on there. Um, but mainly it's on Farmstay UK, which is a, a members cooperative uh, for farm, rural and farm stay and rural accommodation. And uh, the other one was quirky accommodation. I popped it on there and I got quite a few bookings from that. But Farmstay farm did me really well last year and my own website. Okay, and so um, with your site being on a working farm, um, do, do you incorporate any any side of, of the actual farm into the experience or do you like to keep it separate for the guests at all? We, we do keep it separate uh, for, for, for the guests and it is two separate businesses because we've been doing, I've been doing the bed and breakfast longer than John and I have been in business performing together. So that is definitely a separate a separate business. But when, when we had the sheep, if there was any lambs that were pet lambs that were being fed, I would always encourage if we'd got any children staying or anybody that wanted to see a lamb being fed, they knew what time I went out to feed lambs and they could quite yeah. happily come along and have a look what was happening. So. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, the, the B&B there. Do, what, what do you prefer running, the, the, the glamping element or, or the B&B? Oh, definitely the glamping. <laughs> A lot easier, a lot easier, and they're not, and they're not in your. I think after thirty-five years of bed and breakfast, I'm starting to realise that uh, people in your house isn't as as easy as I thought <laughs> I once thought it was. Well, has glamping made you realise just how easy it can be? Uh, yes, I mean, I, I charge slightly more for the glamping than I do for the bed and breakfast, and there's nowhere near as much work because. With the bed and breakfast, you've the daily servicing and, and cleaning of your rooms, etc. Whereas the, 
the shepherd's hut I show people in or, or at least greet them in the car park at the moment and give them instructions where to go and then that's it if they're in for two or three nights I don't do anything else I just leave them to it if they need more wood they've got my phone number they ring up and we either deliver it or leave it in the at the car park for them to collect themselves and quite a few have breakfast baskets which need taking down but again it's taken at a time they want and I just leave it on the, the hut, knock on the hut door and leave it on the doorstep for them in a basket and just stand back and job done. That's perfect. <laughs> so um, obviously that sounds all, all nice and easy, but I'm sure I'm sure there've been challenges along the way, and and I don't think any any new business is made without making mistakes along the way. Um, is there anything that you'd do differently if you were to do it again? Probably go for a slightly bigger hut and be able to get around every corner of the bed. So making the bed was easier. Um, mm -hmm. Always, yeah. Somebody put in a, a, a left a review and it was smaller than they expected, but every everything was in it. And it it's true. There's everything in it, but yeah, you could just do with that another eighteen inches of width in the hut, just mm -hmm. so that you can get everything in that you want. <laughs> and get yeah, round and, and and clean things and make things so everything looks nice yeah it doesn't, doesn't sound like you've made any cat catastrophic errors then so it sounds like you do it fairly similarly if you were to do it again yeah they are, yes yes we would what would you say is the best thing about being a glamping site owner i i always enjoy meeting people uh the four-legged friends are, are lovely that come that i accept <laughs> dogs and it's amazing the number you go through the gate to take the, the the breakfast baskets around and they're the first person that greets you and they know you've got food and they either sit and look willingly at you or just run around the corner barking because it's a stranger in town <laughs> that's good that's good so i, I assume you, you never even considered making it it was always going to be a dog friendly site was it it's always going to be dog friendly even that I'd always said in the bed and breakfast, no dogs. I, if I was going away with my dog, I'd want to be able to take him somewhere. So I, I, I appreciate in people's houses different, but a cottage or a, a, a hut or anything, I've, I've always thought if we can take dogs, I'll take dogs. And that's what I've done. And touch wood, we've not had any, I've not had any problems whatsoever. The sheep, the sheep have survived. We, we've only got two sh sheep, so okay. yeah, the, the, uh, yeah, of our own. The neighbours have got a lot of sheep, but everybody that's been, dogs have been kept lovely under control. So I've not had any qualms about, about anything. They've, yeah, and they've left it, they've tidied up after them and everything, so no problems. Nice. And then uh, the final question, if you could give one tip to any other people in your position, so any farm owner thinking of diversifying into glamping, what would that tip be? Plenty of market research. Attend, attend shows like the Glamping Show and the FBI Show down in the, the NAC and have a look what's available. Go and stay in other shepherd's huts and glamping pods and see what they're like before you even do it yourself because that way you can feel what it's like as a guest as, and then know what you want to offer in the way that you can give everybody a really luxury experience.
Perfect. And and anyone who's interested in the glamping show and all the other trade shows, the uh, the links to to those shows will be in the description, as will the link to Weird Ale Retreat if anyone wants to stay stay uh, at Carol's site. So um, thank you for coming on, Carol. It was re- really uh, really informative. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Glamper Tech Podcast. I hope you enjoyed and that you found value in today's episode. If you did, feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts as it really helps us move up the podcast rankings. Thank you.